Justice can be a scary thing if you're guilty. And in the first three chapters of Romans, the Apostle Paul has made it very clear that everyone is guilty before God because everyone has sinned against him. Jonathan Edwards, a prominent preacher during the Great Awakening, preached his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, in 1741. It was a sermon intended to scare sinners into repentance. Now, history doesn't record the initial response to the sermon, but it's put chills down the back of readers for over 250 years now. And I think several quotes will make you understand why. According to the historians, he was not a fire and brimstone preacher. He didn't shout and yell. He just laid it out. He says, The bow of God's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string. And justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow. And it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. O oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. It is a great furnace of wrath, a wide and bottomless pit, full of the wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and incensed as much against you as against many of the damned in hell. You hang by a slender thread with the flames of divine wrath flashing about it and ready every moment to singe it and burn it asunder. Paul didn't use those words. <laughs> but he did surely make it clear that the just action of a sin against God can be a scary thing. Thankfully, he also made it clear that we can be justified before God. That through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus, I can be viewed by God just as if I'd never sinned. The words justice and justified come from the same root, meaning quite simply just or right. Justice is doing that which is right, and justified is being made right. And Paul has made it clear that we can be justified before God, or more accurately, that through the sacrifice of Christ, we can be made to appear as being right, as being just before God. 
That is good news indeed. We can be justified before God. Paul has made that clear. But it's not enough to simply make something clear. We must also answer the question, so what? What difference does it make if I've been justified? Well, Paul answers that question in our text for today, beginning in chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Having been justified, we have peace, we have standing, and we have hope. Let's go back and look at those again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, everyone wants peace with God. The atheist tries to find it by denying there is a God. The South Sea Islander seeks to find it by throwing a virgin into the volcano. The Eastern mystic tries to achieve it through religious mantras And far too many Christians try to earn it through good works. But none of these efforts succeed. The atheist can only kid himself for so long. Eventually, here or in the hereafter, he will discover that there is a God. The South Sea Islander appeases his God for a time, but then the volcano rumbles again and he has to find another virgin. The mystic thinks he's hearing the voice of God, but eventually discovers it's his own voice he's been listening to. And the Christian who thinks he can earn peace with God soon discovers that he can never do enough to really be sure. Now, I'm going to back up here just for a moment and explore a little further one of those categories. You know, I doubt that any of us are impacted by the beliefs of South Sea Islanders. And even though mysticism exists in our culture, few of us take it seriously. And I trust we've all come to understand that we can never do enough good to rest assured that we've been made acceptable to a holy God. But the attempt to dismiss God, to embrace some form of atheism, is something most of us will encounter at one point or another. I therefore want to share something that affirms what I said about atheists only being able to kid themselves for so long. I still have on my desk a book that was written 10 years ago by Anthony Flew. It's entitled, There is a God. And it's subtitled, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. Let me simply read from the cover. 
a wave of modern atheists have taken center stage and brought the long-standing debate about the existence of God back into the headlines. Spearheaded by Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and Christopher Hitchens, this new atheism has found a powerful place in today's culture wars. Although this movement has been billed as new, the foundation of its argument is indebted to philosopher Antony Flew and his groundbreaking paper, Theology and Falsification, the most widely reprinted philosophical publication of the last half century. Flew built his highly acclaimed academic career publicly debunking the existence of God. Now the renowned philosopher has arrived at the opposite conclusion and officially joined the other side. In There is a God, Flew discloses his newfound belief in a God who created the universe. Flew earned his fame by arguing that one should presuppose atheism until evidence of a God surfaces. He now believes that such evidence exists. There is a God reveals for the first time the scientific discoveries and philosophical arguments that turned him from a staunch atheist into a believer. With refreshing openness to argument and an absence of the anger and hostility that have been hallmarks of the new atheism, Flew shows how his commitment to following the argument wherever it leads resulted to his own astonishment in his conversion to belief in a creator God. Now, when his book came out, atheistic critics claimed that he had changed his position simply because he was getting old and would soon be facing death. And I certainly wouldn't deny the possibility that contemplating his death And the lack of peace he felt about facing it led him to rethink his beliefs. Where he ended up, however, is solidly based on scientific inquiry and intellectual honesty. And if you want to read the book, I'd be glad to loan it to you. The bottom line is simply that peace with God comes only when we realize we've been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we understand that because of Calvary, God can view us just as if we'd never sinned, only then can we come before him without fear. Now, it's not only atheists who live in denial of sin. In fact, no one likes to think of themselves as a sinner. And we may try to convince ourselves that we aren't sinners, that our behavior is acceptable because it's better than someone else's or excusable because of the unique circumstances of our life. But as we get older and the prospect of death can no longer be ignored, the true nature of the life we have lived tends to come into sharper focus. And most will find themselves fearful at the prospect of coming under the judgment of a holy God. And once we accept the fact 
that we are sinners and understand that justice demands the penalty for sin to be paid, we should be afraid unless we have the assurance that we've been forgiven and the penalty has been paid and that God is therefore able to view us just as if we'd never sinned. That's exactly the kind of peace we have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified, we're not afraid of God. As he did for Abraham, he has done for us. Because we took him at his word and did what he told us to do, he declared us to be his friend. And we have no need to be afraid of a friend. Not a friend who knows us inside and out, who knows our weaknesses and our failures, and still has pledged to be our friend. Having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And having been justified, we have standing. Continuing in that second verse, or beginning the second verse. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through Christ... We have obtained our introduction. The word was used of being introduced into the presence of royalty. And we get a feeling for that experience in the book of Esther. Esther, you'll recall, was the Jewish maiden who won a beauty contest and was made queen of Persia. And as such... She was called upon to intercede on behalf of her people when the evil Haman set in motion a plot to have all the Jews exterminated. She was, however, afraid to go into the presence of the king without an invitation. She explained to Mordecai, her cousin who was encouraging her to to go, that anyone who went into the presence of the king uninvited was risking his or her life. The law declared that anyone who came into the inner court without having been summoned was to be killed unless the king held out his golden scepter and allowed him to live. Well, Esther wasn't sure that the king wanted to see her. He hadn't summoned her for 30 days, but she finally agreed to go. After three days of fasting, She put on her royal robes and with trepidation walked into the presence of the king. When he saw her, she obtained favor in his sight and he extended the golden scepter to her. She kissed it and was safe for the moment. It's a scary thing to venture into the presence of the king uninvited hoping to find his favor. Well, thankfully, we don't have to. Jesus has obtained for us our introduction, our invitation to come into the presence of the king. And we are assured his favor when we come. 
through the king's son, we have been given favor. Through his son, we have been given standing in grace. We don't have to wonder whether or not we'll be accepted when we come. We don't have to hope we'll find favor. We've already been granted it through Christ. When we were justified, we were given standing before God. He declared us fit to come before him at any time. As long as we're trusting in Christ and wearing the robes of his righteousness, we have standing in the inner court of the king. Having been justified, we have peace, we have standing, and we have hope. The last part of verse 2. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. Now, there's a big difference between general hoping and Christian hope. Christian hope is built on faith that God will do what he says he'll do. Put another way, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Without denying the fact that God can give us a subjective sense of assurance about many things, no one can deny the objective assurances we find in God's word. And we certainly have the assurance of our having been justified. We don't just hope it's true. We know it is because he said so. He assured us. And through the cross, he convinced us. That gives us the assured hope of someday being with him and of sharing his glory. A hope in which we exult. The word means to leap into the air. Our hope is so certain that when we think about eternity... We can't help but start jumping and leaping and praising God. That's the hope we're talking about here. We're not talking about the power of positive thinking or of ridding our minds of negative thoughts. We're talking about the confident expectation we have of sharing the glory of God. That is the hope that keeps us going. The hope that carries us through bad days. The hope that enables us to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that hope is ours because we have been justified. Having been justified, we have peace, we have standing, we have hope. That touches our past, our present, and our future. Because of what Jesus did, our past alienation from God is ended. And we were granted peace with our Creator. And not only was our past taken care of, so was our present. Jesus has obtained for us our introduction into this grace. And has made it possible for us to stand in it. We now have standing 
before God. We can come before him at any time knowing that we are acceptable to him because we are clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. And because of what Jesus did, our future is secure. We exult. We leap into the air when anticipating the glory we are going to share with God. Put another way, having been justified by faith, we have complete assurance, continual acceptance, and confident anticipation. All of this is ours because we have been justified. And that certainly answers the so what of justification. All of this is ours because we believed God when he said he would give us grace that is greater than all our sin. If you've not believed him before, believe him now and let your faith be known as we stand and sing.